0: Well, we're continuing our Show Me series today, and we've got to part number three. Um, part number one, we talked about Show Me How to Pray, and we dealt with practical ways of how to pray. Then last week, we talked about Show Me How to Run the Race, Show Me How to Stay on this path, this Christian journey, and uh, uh, how not to get off this path. And today, we're going to deal with probably what is the most difficult topic of this whole series, and that is called Show Me How to Pray. I mean, sorry, Show Me How to Pray. We did that. Show Me How to Forgive. I'm like getting all confused. Show me how to forgive. You know, a couple of months ago, I was talking with a friend of mine who is a business owner here in Hover County, being a business owner for many, many years. And we were talking about clients and we were talking about just the the, market, the business market. And uh, we're talking about loyalty and employees and all that sort of stuff. And he made this statement to me. And he said, Alex, he says, he says when somebody leaves me, whether it's a client or an employee, he says, that's it. I cut them totally off. He said, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to know about their family. I don't want to know about their friends, their interests. I don't know about. I don't want to know what they're doing in the future. I just don't want anything to do with them at all. Once they leave me, that's it. They've left me for good. I was like, whoa. I just couldn't believe that someone is actually vocal in saying that. Now, I understand that people can be unforgiving at times, but I would never expect someone to be so vocal in that. And it just took me by surprise. Then there's this other guy I used to work with. And uh, about two years ago, Uh, uh, or two two years uh, from the time I, I worked with him, his wife left him. After about 20 years of marriage, his wife came home one day and decided, said, I want a divorce. Well, every time I would see him, he would talk about how much he hates his wife. I mean, literal hatred for his wife. He would always talk about what an evil person she was, what a horrible person she was, what he wanted to do to his wife. I'm like, I'm not surprised if I see him on like 48 hours mystery in a few years or something, this woman's gone missing. I mean, he had literal hatred for his wife. Two years after she left him, every conversation he had was still about his hatred for his wife. And I'm like, okay, she hurt you, but it's two years. I'm like, you got to move on. I'm like, dude, come on. But he wouldn't. He would talk about his hatred for her all the time. And one of the hardest things to do for someone who is not a Christ follower, has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, one of the hardest things for them to do is to forgive. See, unless you've experienced the true forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, then you've never really experienced how powerful, true, perfect forgiveness really is. You see, for the Christ follower, for someone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, forgiveness should be easy. Forgiveness should be natural. It should be one of those natural experiences. It should be one of those natural acts that we should forgive all the time. See, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 47, Jesus made this statement. There was this woman who came to him and poured all this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and then she wiped it with her hair. Kind of crazy, I know, but I don't know what she was doing, but, you know, it looks okay. So, She's doing all this, and then Jesus makes this statement. He says, For those who have been forgiven much, they will love much. He says, For those who have been forgiven a little, they will love a little. What's he saying? He says, Those who have been forgiven for a whole lot of stuff, then they will in turn love others a lot and forgive others a lot. But those who have only had a little bit of forgiveness then they will find it harder to love and forgive others. So if you are a Christ follower today, then you have been forgiven for so much. So, so much. See, the Bible tells us this, that our sins were once red like crimson. They were ugly. They were nasty. They consumed our lives. And because we were sinful people, then the penalty for that sin was death. And and what that would mean is that then we would spend an eternity, uh, uh, eternity in an eternal damnation in hell, totally separated from God for eternity. It was a nasty penalty. It was a nasty uh, uh, thing that you do not want to happen to you. So then, God, through His love, sent His Son Jesus Christ to this earth, and Jesus died on our behalf. And the Bible tells us that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. So no longer do we have to be separated from God in eternal damnation. Now we can spend eternity with God and be right in God's sight. And so every one of us have sinned. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned. So if you are a Christ follower, then you have been forgiven for so much so much. So that means if you've been forgiven for so much, then for you, forgiveness should be easy, right? Should be easy to forgive. We should be going around forgiving everybody, you know? It should be easy. But the reality is it's not. It's not easy to forgive. And for some of you here this morning, you've had problems with forgiveness. You, you may have had it hard to forgive. You see, God has come and pardoned our wrongs. God has come and has, has wiped the slate clean, but yet so often we find it hard to pardon others of their wrongs and to wipe their slates clean. See, for some, you've had a problem with forgiveness because somebody has done you a wrong. You may have not been able to forgive someone for a long time. Maybe when you were a child, somebody did something to you that you have not been able to forgive. Maybe like that business owner that people have deserted you and left you and you have not been able to forgive them. Maybe like that man whose wife left him, you have uh, been part of a broken relationship that you have not been able to get over and not been able to forgive. Maybe there was a time when someone abused you or there's some, some time, when somebody uh, betrayed your trust or somebody rejected you or somebody acted very selfless, selfishly, and you've not been able to get over it and not been able to forgive it. Yet Jesus commands us this in Matthew chapter 18. He says, don't limit your forgiveness. And he makes this statement. And he makes a statement that I found very, very hard to understand. It's a statement that my theology doesn't always align with because I've always struggled with what Jesus said in this statement. But the reason that you are to forgive is because God is the judge. God is a just God. He is the judge. And Jesus made this statement. He said, if you do not forgive others... Then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now I've always struggled with this because I know that God's love and forgiveness is unconditional. You know, the Bible says, You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So now Jesus is saying that there's conditions to this forgiveness of God, and I've always struggled with that, but I've realized what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus is saying that that your responsibility is to forgive others just as God forgave you. Now, is Jesus saying that our place in the family of God, our relationship with God depends on our choice to forgive others? I mean, think about that for the moment. If you don't, the, Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive others, then God's not going to forgive you. So if, if I'm reading that, I'm thinking, okay, I need to be forgiven. I need to learn to forgive others. And this is why I believe that Jesus said this. See, God knows that someone who is unforgiving towards others has bitterness in their heart. No matter how big that bitterness is or how small, bitterness grows. It's like a mold that grows, like weeds that grow in your heart. And and eventually, if you have bitterness in your heart, it will take over your heart and it will push God out. See, God cannot work in a heart that is bitter. God cannot work in a heart that bitterness is continually there. And so that's why God's remedy is, don't be bitter, forgive forgive. So you may say, okay Alex, you're telling us how to forgive, but this person did me so much wrong. How am I expected to forgive this one? Look what they did. Look what what that person did. Look, you don't understand how hurt I was. How am I going to forgive when everything inside of me says don't forgive when my heart tells me I'm t- it's too painful. It hurts too much to forgive. How am I going to forgive? Well, I tell you forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is like a surgery to our soul. It's like a surgery to our soul. Forgiveness is painful. You know what? Forgiveness isn't easy. It's not like you can go, yeah, I forgive you. Let's move on. Forgiveness is hard and it is tough, but it is necessary because it is more, even though forgiveness is painful, it is more painful not to forgive. So when I was in middle school, I came home from school one day, And my dad, I came into the house, and my dad was in the living room, and his right leg was up on like an ottoman, and he was watching TV, and he had this big medical boot on his leg, and he had these crutches. And me being a middle school guy, I just looked, and I'm like, cool, crutches. You know, my sister comes in, she's like, oh, dad, what happened? Like, I didn't care what happened to my dad. It's like, yeah, you got crutches. Let's go play on the crutches. So, What had actually happened, what I found out later, after I got over my excitement about the crutches, was that morning my dad had been outside cutting wood with an axe. And as he hit one piece of wood, the wood slipped and the axe went right into his foot. It's like gory and nasty, right? Went right into his foot It took the axe away. There was blood everywhere, you know. It was like a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know. So then he yells out this girl scream, and my my mom comes out. She sees it. She yells out a girl scream, and she quickly gets, like, some blankets and bandages, and she wraps his foot tight with it. The reason is because blood was going everywhere, and so she, you know, she didn't want it firstly to mess up the house or whatever. But then, you know... That was my mom's first thought. But then they got him, got him in the car and they took him to the emergency room. And so I'm hearing this story. And my mom says, yeah, they took your dad to the emergency room. And the first thing that they wanted to do was to take off the bandages and the blankets. And then your dad had his like boots on, his work boots, and they wanted to take his work boots off. But my dad didn't want them to take the work boots off because it was too painful. As soon as they took the blankets off, the blood started spurting and then it was just too painful to take the, the, the work boots off. But eventually they took the work boots off and then they stitched him up. They put him in this boot and for about four weeks he walked around with his boot and then he was like fine after that. And that's exactly like forgiveness to our soul. See what happens is when people do us wrong, it's like a wound. It's like an open flesh wound. And, and and we have this boot on and we want to keep it on because if we take the boot off, it's going to open the wound. It's going to open the, the, the hurt and the wrong that someone else did to us. But if you don't take the boot off, do you know what's going to happen? My dad had not taken his boot off. He probably would have got infection and it probably would have stunk crazy. But he probably would have lost his foot in the end. And the same with you. If you do not forgive... See, the rot sets in, and eventually it will kill your heart. That is why forgiveness is so important. It's surgery to our soul. So this morning, we're going to take a look at a story in the Bible that many of you are probably not familiar with. You may have not even heard. It's from a book called Philemon. And you're like, Philemon, is that even in the Bible? I'm like, yes, Philemon is in the Bible. It's like a really small book. It's only got one chapter, and it's found uh, after uh, like Timothy in the Bible, then you've got Titus, then you've got Philemon, then you've got Hebrews. So it's somewhere in the, uh, in the New Testament, towards the end of the New Testament. And what this book is all about, there was a guy called the Apostle Paul who had a friend called Philemon. Now, Philemon was a rich landowner who had slaves. And before like, we realized that slaves were wrong, like they had slaves back in, in the Bible day. I'm not sure how they like, even justified that, but for some reason they must have. So Philemon had slaves, and he had this one slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus was not a good slave. He was like a lazy slave. He wasn't much good for anything. You give him a job to do, he would do it half-heartedly. And he wasn't a good slave, but he was still Philemon's slave. And one day, Onesimus d- decided to escape and run away from the household of Philemon. And so he ran, and the penalty for running away from your master was death. So now he had this thing hanging over him. There was a death sentence over Onesimus. Well, Onesimus ran away so far, he got to Rome, and at Rome, he found a group of crazy Christians like you and me. And they started telling him about the good news of Jesus Christ. And he heard about the good news of Jesus Christ, and he decided, I want to put my faith and my hope in Jesus Christ. And he became a Christian that day. And as he started to develop as a Christian, these other Christians introduced him to Paul, who was in prison in Rome at the time for um, preaching the gospel. He had been taken into prison. And Onesimus would be like his messenger, his help. He would come and bring him food and come and bring him ointment. And he would bring letters from other people. And then the letters Paul would write in prison, Onesimus would come and then take to other people. And while he was in prison, Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. See, Paul had met Philemon many years ago, and Paul had told Philemon the same message that Onesimus has heard, that there is good news in Jesus Christ, that Jesus saves. And Philemon had accepted Jesus Christ as his saviour, as his Lord and saviour. He'd become a Christ follower. And so now Paul writes Philemon this message, this letter, and this is the basis of the letter. Paul Forgive Onesimus. Paul, forgive. I'm sorry, Philemon, forgive Onesimus. See, for Paul, writing this, this was a bold statement. In those days, masters did not forgive their slaves, slaves weren't good enough to be forgiven. But yet, Paul is saying, Philemon, you are to forgive Onesimus. Forgive him. In fact, Paul says that you have to treat him no longer like a slave, but like a brother in Jesus Christ. So we're going to use this this little book this morning, this little letter, to see how we forgive, how we are to forgive others. And the first thing that we are to do in the act of forgiveness is to change our view. Change our view. Philemon verses 11 to 16 says this. Paul said, Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past because he was a useless slave. But now he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could give him back or so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So Paul tells Philemon, he says, Onesimus, you do not need to look at him as a slave anymore. You need to look at him as a brother in Christ. We used to do that like years ago. Like now we're like, hey, how's it going? Years ago, we are like, hey, brother and sister. That's what we call each other in church. And it's not like we're all one family and like had a huge family. It's just we just called each other brother and sister. And Paul is saying, treat him as a brother in Jesus Christ. You see, forgiveness never starts with a feeling. Forgiveness never starts in the heart. You see... You don't wake up one morning when someone has wronged you and like, whoa, I have this wonderful feeling about this person. I'm going to forgive them again. I have so much forgiveness in my heart towards them. That's not how forgiveness starts. See, forgiveness always starts in the head by changing the way that we think about someone or a situation. Always starts in the head about the, and we change the way we think about someone or a situation. And Paul urges Philemon, change the way you perceive Onesimus. No longer think about him as a slave, but now think about him as a brother. See, for all Philemon's life, as he had known Onesimus, he had seen him as a slave. And now Paul's saying you need to change the way you think about him. See, this is bold from Paul. Nobody does this. Nobody, nobody says this to, to, to a master. Says, hey, now treat that slave who did you wrong as a brother or sister in Christ. But here is the key to the foundation of forgiveness. Do not think yourself above the person who has wronged you. Do not think yourself above the person who has wronged you. You see, this is what we like to do in our culture. We like to rank people. We have the great people. Then we have the good people. Then we have the okay people. Then we have the bad people. And then we have the horrible people. And that's what we want to do in our culture that we live in. We do that all the time. We do it in our work, in our schools, amongst our friends. Oh, they're great people. They're good people. Oh, they're horrible. They're like horrific. They're, 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 They're like terrible people. And that's what we like to do. And we have a difficulty in forgiving because we rank people. But did you know in the kingdom of God, there are no ranking of people? You know, when God sees you, he sees you as equal as the person who is next to you. You see, this is what God sees when he sees you. He sees people who are sinners. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he sees you as a sinner who has been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. See, you are no different to the person next to you. The person next to you could have done a, 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 a terrible act. They could have done something horrible to you. But you know what? You're just as messed up as they are. You may have not done what they have done, but you've done other things that have hurt other people. You have maybe have done things that other people think are horrific, are terrible. You're not better than the person next to you, but we don't like that. We want to rank people. We want to see ourselves, oh, we're good people. We're not like those. But the reality is, is we are as messed up as the person who has hurt us. See, Romans 12 verse 2 tells us this. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. The Apostle Paul tells the Roman church, he says, do not copy the customs and the traditions of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way that you think. See, that's how God transforms us. He changes the way that we think about things. And if you allow God to transform you, then he can start changing the way that you think about forgiveness and forgiving that person who wronged you. So that's the foundation to forgiveness, changing the way you think. And then it goes on that we have to give pardons frequently. Give pardons frequently. Not like pardon me, you know. But pardoning people from their wrong. This is what Paul said to Philemon in verse 17. He says, so if you consider me your partner, welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. Welcome him as you would welcome me. See, Paul was a free man. He had a good relationship with Philemon. He didn't owe Philemon anything. Philemon had a a good heart towards Paul. And Paul is now saying, Philemon, when you see Onesimus, then you must treat him as you treat me. See, when you look at people, who have wronged you? Do you see what they owe you or what they've done to you? Or do you forget the past and move on? See, the disciples came to Jesus one day and he said that, and they said this, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus says, you should forgive seven times 70 times. It's so not like Jesus came up with just some number in the air. You know, the, the disciples were probably thinking, okay, if Jesus said three, then we can forgive someone three times. If they if if do anything wrong after that, then we just cut them off. They're done. But Jesus says you're to forgive seven times 70. You know, in the Hebrew language, the, word, the, the number seven has a translation of perfection. It means perfection. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you are to forgive perfection times perfection times perfection. Meaning, you are to forgive until you do not need to forgive anymore. You are to keep forgiving, no matter how many times someone does something wrong, keep forgiving until they do not need forgiveness anymore. That's how God forgives us. And that's what Jesus was saying. See, forgiveness isn't about moving on and then constantly bringing up the past. It's about forgetting what has been behind us and pressing on. Forgiveness is not probation. It's not probation. What I mean by this, say today, and I won't wish it on any of you, and I hope it doesn't happen, but say you get in your cars, you pull out the parking lot, you get onto 92424, and you just put your foot on the gas. You're like, I'm just going to go as fast as I can, and then you start hearing the sirens and the cops pull you over. He's going to come over and he's going to say, sir, madam, do you know why I pulled you over today? And you're like, no, I thought I was doing 25 miles an hour. You know? Come on, you know you would say that. And then they're going to come and they're probably going to give you a ticket because you were going ultra fast. And your ticket's going to have three things on it. And I'm not going to tell you how I know this. I just know this. first thing it's going to say, not guilty, go to court. And then you're going to go to court and, they hope, and you hope the police officer do not turn up at court. But if they do, then they're going to, and then the judge will decide if you're guilty or not. Second thing is, is yeah, I'm guilty. I'm just going to pay my fine. I'm going to have points on my license. My insurance is going to go up and whatever. But you, you admit that you're you're guilty. The third one will say, guilty... But appeal for probation before judgment. And that's really what you want to like check, you know. I mean, you could try and see if the cop doesn't go to court, but you won't, may want to check this. And what this means is that you would go to court and you would stand before a judge, and I think in half a count, I may be wrong, but I think it's like 18 months, that you would ask for him to forgive this accident as long as you don't have any other... Uh, forgive this violation as long as you don't have any other violations. And he's going to say, these, so why were you speeding? And you're going to come up with some crazy ideas like, oh, like my kid was sick, they spilled coffee, I didn't realize I was putting my foot on the gas. And he's going to be like, okay, so pay the court costs and you're going to get probation before judgment. And what that means is that they will forgive this accident, this, this violation. But if you have another violation... Then they will judge you for that violation. Then they will bring this other one that you thought you got forgiven back again, and now you're going to be judged for two violations. Probation before judgment. And I'm scaring you now. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's not true forgiveness. And you know what? So many relationships and so many marriages are like that. It's like, yeah, I forgive you. And then the person messes up again and then they argue about this thing and then the person brings up the other thing beforehand. And that's not true forgiveness. True forgiveness is giving a pardon. And what a pardon is, it is a removal of the record of wrong like it never happened at all. It's like taking that wrong, wiping it clean and nobody ever remembers it again. And that's what Jesus did for us. God says that I will remember your sins no more. God doesn't come to you if you mess up and come to him and he says, well, hold on, let me get, get my little notebook out. He says, on May 30th, you said some pretty bad words. On April 28th, like you overate a little too much. And then like God like, doesn't say, you got jealous of this person then, here, you did this sin, you did that sin. No, God says, I will remember your sins no more. And that's exactly how we are to forgive. You see, healthy relationships that exist on pardoning develop and are healthy. But a relationship that's built on probation will eventually break down and be destroyed. See, the person you forgive, I got news for you. They'll mess up again. You'll forgive them, but they're going to mess up again. Wives, husbands always mess up. Just get over it. We mess up. Husbands, wives mess up. We always mess up time and time again. And if you don't pardon the person, and if you keep bringing up the past, what's going to happen is they're going to mess up again, and it's going to be harder and harder to forgive each and every time to a point where you just do not even want to forgive again. So pardon frequently. Change the way you think. And then finally, relieve them of the penalty. Relieve them of the penalty. This so is what Paul said to Philemon in verses 18 to 20. He said, if Onesimus has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. It's like Paul's like putting on the guilt trip here. In verse 20, he says, yes, my brother, please do this favor for the Lord's sake Give me this encouragement in Christ. Paul was saying, not just forgive, but relieve him of any debt, of the penalty that he owes. There's a guy in our church, I won't mention his name. And I didn't mention this first service because we ran out of time. But I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago, and he had a truck that he bought, an old truck that a friend of his said that he was going to fix up. And his friend uh, took it into his garage and was going to work on it, but he never worked on it. In fact, he kept trying to call his friend to try to find out, you know, are you working on it? When's this thing going to be ready? And his friend never returned the calls. In fact, the friend kind of distanced himself and took the truck. Now, you really want to strangle friends like that. But you know what the guy in our church did? He And this is what he said to me. He said, He says, you know what? It's not even worth it. Let him have the truck. It's not worth doing all the stuff. And that is the kind of forgiveness that Paul is talking about here. Forgive totally. Just forget the debts. Relieve them of the debts. See, you can't just forgive someone and then hold it against them until they've repaid what you think is fair. See, there are always consequences for our our actions. And you may say, well, it's not fair they did this. They need to be repaid for it. Do you not think that there is a God in heaven who is just enough to not take care of the situation? See, your responsibility is not to be judged and to pass sentence. Your responsibility is to forgive. And then there is a great big God in heaven who is so just, who I guarantee will take care of the situation for you. See, our role is to scratch out the debt. And when you forgive somebody, you shouldn't spend the next 20 years telling them that you have to pay it back. See, Paul told Philemon, if you really want someone to pay the debt, I'll pay it for you. Charge it to me, but don't charge it to Onesimus. And This is exactly what Jesus did for us. The penalty was owed. And God, through his love, sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us. And Jesus paid the penalty for us. And if Jesus paid our penalty and took away our debt, then we can forgive others and relieve them of their debts. See, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an act that starts in the mind. It's a choice that transforms your speech about somebody. And then it causes you to reach out your hands in love. And then once you've made that choice, then it starts to change your heart. See, it may seem painful to forgive and it is painful to forgive, but it's so much more painful not to forgive. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's not about the wrong that they committed. It's not about them getting away with murder. Forgiveness is all about you. It's all about the choice that you make to make sure that bitterness does not get in your heart and that the burden of what happened to you, it does not weigh you down. About five years ago, before we started this church, I had a spiritual leader in my life that I respected. And he hurt me. Hurt me so much. Hurt me to the point where I didn't know if I wanted to be part of church anymore. And sad to say that many of you have had similar experiences. And I decided to sweep it under the carpet, not deal with it. Just move on. I'm like, forget it, just move on. But as I started trying to move on and forget it, I started hearing rumors that the person who hurt me, they were spreading rumors that I had hurt them and that I'd done all these wrongs and just made my blood boil. And I just wanted to kung fu kick that guy, but my leg can't get that high. So, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, all my Irish blood came out. But I decided... I was going to forgive. We started the church, actually, with this still looming over our heads. And I knew that God would never bless this church. God would never allow us to point to people's lives while my heart still had bitterness. And God worked in my heart. And one day, I sat down. I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel like doing it. But I just knew in my mind it was the right thing to do. I started to write a letter. And I wrote a letter to this person who... I believed it had wronged me. And I firstly asked for forgiveness from them. And then I wrote in depth about how much I had forgiven them. Like a couple of weeks later, I got a text back, and it was like, hey, got your letter, thanks. I was like, oh. <laughs> "Yeah," And all these feelings started going up again, but I realized, no, I've chose to forgive. About a year, year and a half later, I was in a restaurant here in Bel-Air, and I saw the person who uh, who had hurt me. You know what I did? I didn't kung fu kick him, you know. I didn't punch him out. You know what I did? I went up to him, and I gave him a big bear hug. And... I almost had tears in my eyes. And it's funny because we're talking about this and I was talking to one of the guys this morning. He goes, I was there. I remember that time that you did that. A year before, I had not wanted to forgive, but I made a choice in my mind to forgive. Throughout that year, God worked in my heart because I made that choice. God started to work in my heart to the place where I started to pray for this person. I started to actually cry for this person because they were going through some difficulties themselves. And I started to realize that God was using this situation to mend my heart, to get rid of all the bitterness, the weight that had been weighted on my shoulders had lifted off. And I could honestly say, I forgive that person. And that's how it starts. It starts in the mind. I'll give you another story and I didn't share this first service but I had an issue with my sister and I never shared this before and I'm not proud of it but she did a lot of wrong when I first got married to, to Raquel and she was a brat <laughs> and she did a whole lot of wrong hurt us so much And I remember my mom and dad said one day, she goes, You've got to forgive your sister, because if you you can't preach on forgiveness unless you, you know, it's like, okay, mom, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and I said to this my mom, I says, It's not that I don't forgive, it's just that she doesn't recognize that she's done wrong. I says, I forgive her. I says, I just don't want a relationship with her while she's done wrong. And I realized now, I said, I think that was the wrong thing to say. If I felt so righteous in saying that but do you know what the right thing was to do the right thing would have been to yeah you did wrong yeah you're still a brat but I love you and we are going to have a relationship she wrote me a letter last year <coughs> apologizing for all the stuff that she'd done wrong and As soon as I got that letter, I just, you know, we wrote a letter back and our relationship's good and it's on the mend now. But I feel I'm like 10 years too late on that. I should have opened up my arms and forgiven her sooner. And some of you in this place today, you've held things against people for far too long. You've... (laughs) hell things against people who have wronged you. And yeah, you were right to be mad because that was a wrong. That was a hurt. They should have never done what they did. But you know what? If you keep holding things against them, then your heart is going to be filled with bitterness. And God will never be able to work fully in your life as God wants to work. See, God says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. But if your heart is full of bitterness, he cannot work fully in that life. Some of you, you've had the weight of this wrong on your shoulders for far too long. And it's only an act of forgiveness that's going to release that weight away. See, some of you, you've been hurt too much. But today is a day that you can find healing. And it all starts with a choice. I'm going to forgive.